Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Kanturi and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hello everybody. I have Marisa Di Pablo with me today. She's a coach, speaker and activist from Germany living in Mexico currently. She studied health management, always interested in mental health. Her values are authenticity, freedom, respect and love, especially for yourself. 2011 first contact with the personal development. 2014 first blog in German. about leaving a victim mode behind more like a self help 2019 she published her first book first speaker award and the first slot in tv which is everything in germany in 2019 awareness walk against sexual abuse in mexico 2020 she founded coaching business brand and a long term goal in foundation of survivor of sexual abuse welcome to the show marisha thank you thank you so much for being here thank you for having me Please go ahead and tell us your story in your words and your passion towards this work why you chose this journey and what actually happened to you. Yeah, my um journey or my contact with all this started when I was like 16 years old. I fell in love with a man and you know like teenagers we are we're searching attention normally, right? And um it f- felt really good at first. and yeah one one time he wanted to to be alone with me and i from the perspective of a 16 year old girl i think i just acted normally but like looking back from my perspective perspective right now obviously you don't think that far in that age yeah um he wanted to to have more um intimacy of me and i was not ready to to share that with him i wanted to be close to him i wanted to have a hug from him and um yeah so in one moment i realized that the thing is going like the wrong way we were in in an apartment um above of his his um i think it was the firm of his uncle mm-hmm. and um yeah i said no but he was like not realizing and um then i think you you get like an survivor mode mm-hmm. right because like although i wasn't panic sometimes i had like really clear moments and then i said okay um to survive what was the the most important thing in that in that moment um maybe i should escape but then i realized okay um he closed the door when we came in from the inside um then i was in the mode of okay then i could scream but then i remembered that he told me that we were like in an industrial zone Mm. and all the firms were just working in the day and it was night already um so there was nobody yeah there was not only one one car in the in the street and then i said okay when he really don't hear my nose because he don't care maybe it would be better to just accept and give him what he wants mm. so this was this was 
uh, uh, decision in that moment because he was accept, um, disaccepting my no. He was just ignoring it. And um, yeah, then it was like, thanks God, it was like, I don't like to call a violation sex mm. because sex for me is always pleasure, but it was just normal contact. He don't want it like really strange things of me. This is what I'm what I'm really glad of. Um, and so he was on me. He was um, penetrating me, and then in in one moment he had his orgasm. And um, after this, he was like waking up because he realized that I was crying. But I was crying the whole time already. Hmm. But he was like in, in trance or whatever. So he was not really realizing it. But in that moment, he realized it. And when I saw that he was shocked, I thought that this was like, like my chance to get out of this, right? Hmm. So um, my, my fear, my, my, my pain, changed into like anger hmm. and I, I just um, take a, took advantage of the moment where he was like, I don't want to do you any harm and um, just screamed at him that he has to open the door and let me out and if not, I will cause him problems. So all that, what I was holding back in the moments before, hmm. Um, I let out in that moment all the feelings and um, he was like really shocked and the good thing is that he let me out. I think he couldn't think in that moment. And um, yeah, of course, I, first I wanted to go home, like you want, you want to hide yourself. This was, was my impulse, but um, I was afraid of the reaction of my dad because I, I actually escaped from home. They didn't know that I was gone. Um, so I decided to stay in that city till my school started and just went to classes and tried to act as normal as I could. Mm. And um, yeah, like people say that we Germans are quite cold, right? And this is maybe was an advantage in that moment because I could just like hide all that feelings. And when I realized this worked for one day and nobody asked what was what has happened, um, because I. I didn't want to realize what happened myself. I just decided to go on in this in this role to just ignore it. Hmm. And um, the problem was that I always was like a person that that was searching leading positions and in a leading position, like in in the soccer team, I was a team leader. Then we had. I don't know if this is in other countries, 
too, but in our school, every class had a, a speaker for itself who yeah. would like be the first person to contact the teacher if there's an issue and stuff. So I, I got myself out of that role to not have that attention, mm. to have like um, an easier way to, to hide all that stuff. And obviously I was a teenager, so you know that teenagers like change mood really fast. So I think everything that my parents, for example, thought that would be weird, they thought it's, ah, she's a teenager, right? Mm. Um, this is for at least what, what I thought. I, I don't have an idea um, how the surrounding was seeing me, but nobody asked. Yeah. This is what I, what my intention was in that moment, but um, I just went on in my life and I realized that although I tried to ignore it for almost 10 years, it was affecting me, it was infecting me in the way I was um, with men, for example. And I always thought I was kind of weird because I thought, like, you you have the, uh, you think you know what a normal violated girl should act like, right? What is absolute bullshit. But um, I thought after an experience like this, you would not be able to have um, sex in a pleasant way again that you would say no to nothing, mm. uh, to everything. But I was just the other way around. My brain was saying, okay, this man was not accepting you, no, not respecting you, no. So if you don't say no, nobody can disrespect you because nobody can disrespect your, your border, your limit. Yeah. yeah. And um, so when I, for example, I, I get to know a, a person on a party, I had that issue because when it came to a situation, I was not ready to say no again. Mm. Because I said, well, my no is not worth it anyways. Mm. So I just let it happen, although I didn't want it. Um, and this was like, like getting myself confidence and stuff lower and lower and lower because it was like, sometimes it was even a person I, I wouldn't have liked to have that close, but well, I just shut up and let it happen. And um, this was a problem for me for many years. Hmm. And then you have the problem that people just see you as, like, if if people know, okay, you had something with him, with him, with him, you're just a slut. Nobody's hmm. asking why this is happening, no. Um, and I felt that way as well. Hmm. Although I was like not saying, I was not talking to my friends and say, well, I had like, no. But um, in my head, this was happening. Like, okay, um, 
if they know this and they know this, they will think that. And I was thinking that too. So it was getting worse and worse. And um, yeah, I just realized that, that this affected me, although I don't want it that it affect me. Yeah. So in one moment, I thought, okay, I have to do something about it. And it was almost like the first therapy, I think it was like six or seven years later hmm. after the, the first violation. And um, it was, I think it was the not the best type of therapy for me in that spe special situation. Mm. And um, this guy was, the first lessons I think were really good because I started to talk about it. But then again, looking from my perspective afterwards, I realized that I was just lying to him and to myself. I was not lying to him consciously mm. but i was like later i realized it was just like uh, bullshitting around on the superficial mm. stuff of the of the point and this is the thing if you let don't let them in yeah. they don't have a chance yeah um and while we were playing that for a few weeks and then um in the same time frame I met a, a person online on a job um, network mm. and he was um, talking about a book and he was um, he said I think that book could help you and that book from the title it had nothing to do with what happened to me so I was like hmm but in that moment I, I always love to read and I always love to crow, so I thought, okay, I, I will read it. And then I realized, I always thought I, I was still a positive person, what I've always been, I've always been a sunshine. But this book has um, like 17 chapters in which it talks about if you are thinking like a good person in perspective of success mm -hmm. or like an unsuccessful person. And I was always on the bad side. I was thinking like when he wrote the chapters about the negative sides that he was standing behind me and watching into my life. It was really almost disgusting how I didn't realize how it had changed myself. And it was like, whoa. And then um, we visited a seminar my first seminar of, of personal development, my first contact with that, and it was mind-blowing. I was so much better after just three days, and I kicked uh, the therapy out of my life because I said, okay, I don't think that no therapy works, but this wasn't working for me. I realized that in that moment. And then I was like, like um, addicted to personal development. Mm. which was um, good on one side because it, it changed my mindset a lot, but it was also bad because I just, I still had like 
I felt like I'm still like a small, 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 small little thing. So I wouldn't take all the things I learned into action. So I spent money on seminars, right? Um, but yeah, it was it was uplifting because on that seminar, we had an exercise to talk about something out of our past that was holding us back. So mm -hmm. I had the first chance to talk about the violation, but of course I was afraid, but I took the chance because the person I was talking to didn't know me. So I said, if this person that was a, was a woman um, doesn't react appropriate how I would wish, hmm. I don't care that much because we will never cross path again if we don't want to. Yeah. And this actually helped me because when I talked about it the first time, I realized that talking is something magical. Like it was, I felt so much lighter afterward. And um, this is what I, what I started to take um, in action afterwards. I started to talk about what happened to me, but first just with foreigners, mm -hmm. just with people that hadn't like weren't part of my inner circle. Yep. To first, like every day, every time I talked about it, it was a little bit easier for me. And this was a good practice to actually come to a point where you can talk to your parents and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it took me almost 10 years from the violation till the day I talked to my family. And this was really um, a beautiful situation because I was, um, I remember like in, in close to Munich, I was living there. I was sitting on a green field of grass, watching the Alps. So it gave me, and I, I made myself a note, what I want to say, in which order I want to say it. And I gave rules because I'm, I was afraid because I was living alone with my, with my mom and my brother in that time it happened that my father, for example, would, um, would attack like my mom, that she's guilty because she wasn't watching after me, but I was 16, so yeah. she wouldn't have been able to hold me back. Um, but when I, when I entered that, that um, I wanted to avoid that. So when the day had come, it was my birthday and I was not living anymore in my in the same area as my parents. So I first we had the party. Then I waited till my grandparents left because I first wanted to talk just to my parents, my brother and my uncles, because like my grandparents were already old and so I asked them if they can come in the living room and then I said the rules and I was really clear. I was really like the notes were already helping me to to don't think like, oh, I forgot something or stuff like that. I was really quiet. Of course, I was nervous about the situation, but this helped me so much to have a plan 
already what what do i want to say and what is like the the, the goal right i just wanted that they understand me and i try to also don't have like so don't expect that much from them mm. not because they are bad persons but because i knew this would be a hard hard moment for them as well yeah so um i came into the room and i said okay we have two rules nobody in this room is guilty and um, first you let me talk because it's it's difficult for me. And then afterwards you can talk, have questions, whatever. But first, please let me finish. Don't interrupt me because I don't know if, if I can start again, if you interrupt me with something that maybe is really like emotional. And then I started talking and I explained them, okay. Um, Ah, then I said that I'm fine already, mm. that, they, that it will shock them and that it was hard what I will tell them, but that I'm already like overcame the worst part of it. And this is why I'm talking to them. And mm. I also told them that they please shouldn't be um, angry on me that I didn't share it earlier because I just couldn't, had nothing to do with them. Yeah. And then I talk, um, and I don't really remember what I said. This was like moment driven, um, but it was really nice because my, my parents were separated, but they were like, we could, could have birthdays together and stuff. So they were not fighting and this was really good. Um, but still there was always like a tension sometimes. And in this moment, it was really nice because my father said, for example, to my brother, please, um, if you go to the party of your friend later, please don't drink. Because if I would drink today, so he was not saying because you, yeah. he would say, because if I would drink today with those emotions and feelings and thoughts I have about that situation with your, with your sister, and somebody would say just a word that doesn't fit. I don't know how, how I will react. So that was good. And this was really nice to like not not saying don't drink. Yeah. But instead of that saying, Oh, I'm really overwhelmed of all that feelings. I don't I, he didn't tell him either to stay at home because maybe it was better that he went out. But he said, Well, I wouldn't drink because I don't know how I would react so it was a really nice um, moment where we all were like united hmm. and um, to be honest they tried to don't speak about it hmm. they would they would never leave me alone but I feel that they don't feel comfortable with it so I found other people I can talk to it right other survivors for example and um, the good thing is that in, in all that time, I realized that I'm not alone and I'm not the only one that had sex with several partners afterward. Yep, yep. Actually, there are many, many women that prostitute this, uh, themselves because of their self-worth that is just gone. It's just nothing. And sometimes it's also a repetition of 
not having it under control. Mm. And um, this is this is like I don't I don't like to give that much of you should do that you should do that. I would always recommend talking, but every every person has its own time frame. He or she needs to open up. So don't pressure yourself. Um, take your time. But I think in one moment it's always better to to speak. But in the in the moment you are able to. And um, what I also would would recommend is to read stories of other survivors. If you can't right, reach out actively to them already, but to realize you're not alone. Yeah, that situation is unique, but there are other people that are going through the same things or even worse. And it's not about comparing, yeah. but um, just to realize that how you react is just natural. And you're not alone with that reaction. This is what what helped me, but it took me over a decade to realize that. Um, because when I was 16, I wouldn't go into like searching Google over yeah. survivors. There are amazing TED talks, for example. There are amazing podcasts like this. Thank you. Uh, where you can really hear and listen about the feelings and um this is what 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 you said what what is what i'm passionate about is um when i started to speak about that in a in a bigger frame i realized that it helps many people to open up as well mm -hmm. so and sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with the same topic yeah. but if it person really opens up their heart. I got goosebumps if I think about some, some histories I heard in my past. Um, it's like other people give allowance to themselves to make the same thing. Maybe because you, you, you connect really on that uh, heart um, vibe and it's, it's amazing what happens afterwards. And in when I talked to my, my parents, it was um, 2013. In 2014, I started um, writing down my story on a, on a blog. Mm. But I, I, didn't, I didn't want it to, to earn any money with it, and I never did. Um, and I, I don't even want it to reach that much people yet. It was just like writing it down for me, and when somebody's finding it, accidentally and it helps him or her amazing right and um, this was just mind-blowing because i was on facebook at that time i should i had a lot of friends already but it was just private contact it was not like today I, i'm in touch with uh, thousands of other coaches and stuff but this was just like a private odyssey and i just said like oh here I got a, a blog um, telling my story. And I thought like, okay, 10 people will see the post. Five maybe will click on the link and two or three will read something. Yeah. This was what I was saw. And I thought I, would, I could crew with that, uh, crow with that. 
like bit for bit. But no, 24 hours later, I had already over a thousand people on the block. Wow. Uh -huh. I got goosebumps again. And the, the thing was, there were people from um, organized groups of self-help that I never heard of before. So it was like people were sharing the blog. And um, I was super grateful, but I was in a negative way also totally overwhelmed because I felt so much responsibility. It was like, what? What is going on? And um, I remember a moment I was sitting in a, in a park everything green around me and I would just cry because it was like it was so amazing I could reach out to so many people it was so amazing that people were interested in that because like this is something we have to deal with sometimes that people just want to hear negative uh, positive stories right and they try to ignore all the negative or they say um it wasn't that bad or something like victim blaming without wanting to and um but there were so many people and like 600 people were reaching out to me yeah. like can you can you come and and um speak at our organization um or friends that were with me in school at that time and were studying um um biology and they said i always thought with my knowledge right now i would feel if if this would happen to someone and i never never would have thought that this happened to you in that year like we were having ice cream maybe a, a, a day or two later because we were friends at that time and i said yeah um but i tried everything that you wouldn't realize what happened so um this was really really a tough day because it was so emotional it was like going up and down and grateful and yeah but also like what how how could i handle all that and then it was like i just published an article like every two or three or four months because it was too much for me in that moment and um yeah but well, it was fine. It was just um, still helping me, right? This is what many people also say that writing down. Yeah. Um, first your feelings, but sometimes also one time all your story, all the details, although it hurts going through it, but um, you can like part of release it with that. Yeah. And. It was really amazing. And on, on 2015, I was in a seminar in Germany with like 5,000 people, but I was sitting in the audience and I was not meant to, to say something, but he would do exercises with all the audience. And then he would ask who would share, who wants to share. And he asked what the two most important decisions were the, the last three years in your life. And um, many of his questions made me like think for a while and then write something down. But in that 
moment he asked the questions, I knew the answer. I wrote it down. And then, then I was just waiting. And when he said, who wants to check? I stand up. And he was like, wow, this was quick. And I was like, yeah. So um, I would talk about those two situations. And I told one was to tell my parents what happened to me. Yep. And then starting that block, and those 5,000 people were just flipping out. They were standing on their chairs to, to um, clap. And um, afterwards, this was the first time I realized how, how immense this impact is on others. Because there was a, a person that told me that she was like, I think, 45 years when she remembered her child abuse. So her brain had blocked that out for 40 years, almost, or 35. Um, and she said, you are the first person, a part of my therapist, who found that out with me, because she was having the same experience as I. She realized that it, something was affecting her, but she didn't know what it was. Yeah. So the therapy would go deeper and deeper and deeper. And in one moment, she remembered that her uncle was abusing of her. Mm. And um, she told me all that story. It was like vomiting everything, yeah. like just getting it out. And then she seemed like almost surprised that she shared all that with me. Yeah. All the things that were so private. And um, she was so grateful. I was also total, totally overwhelmed. And I couldn't go to the toilet or having something to eat without people that were coming around. And it was really amazing because now I felt like a little bit more ready for that. So I felt like this was my path. And a few years ago, before that, like 2012, I think, um, I was on a seminar too. And on that seminar, my mission, it, it was called Mission to Millions. And um, they tried to let you find your, your mission, but also teach you how you can earn money with it. Because if you earn money with it, you can put more time into it, right? Um, if I would do it just as a hobby, I would still have to earn money with other things. Um, and my mission I wrote down, and I forget afterwards, was to help other survivors. And now like the puzzle was getting more concrete, right? Every, every time there was a piece more. And, but I still felt like, mm, I'm not a therapist. I don't have the education and stuff but this is what you what you said at the beginning this is what what is the biggest emotion is is to feel that impact in others and this is just like the beginning of that person and i said i, I would love to have that per person or be in touch with that person and go all the way right not just like helping her open up but then to, to get their things 
behind you. Yeah. And yeah, I made more seminars about I'm I'm really into I love um uh PNL. Is it called PNL in English or is it neurolinguistic programming NPL? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's my three languages in Germany and English it's N PL and in in Spanish it's um, PNL. Um. Yeah, um, I love that because you can have like an instant impact on people, and um, I realized that I think like it's it's with an alcoholic. He's he always will be an alcoholic, right? And mm -hmm. although I overcame so many things. It still helps me talk about it. So every time I can help someone else, I also help myself. Yes. This is an amazing combination. And if I help myself talking, for example, in, in front of an audience, I can help them. And um, for me, this is an, um, a really nice combination. And yeah, then, um, in 2009, I published a book. I um, won a speaker award on my first speaker event because I think I can really talk emotional. And it was was like um, a speech because the, the audience were not sexual abuse people. And it was an event that was more like entertaining. So it was like um, a motivational speech to love your life and live it hmm. like authentically. And, and because this is what I did so, so many years, I, I hide that thing, that, that sad little thing behind the mask of hey, everything's fine. Yeah. And it was not true. It was not true. And um, I love to, I don't know if you, if you know that, that history or metaphor, but they talk about chicken and eagles mm. and that some people are, are like chicken mm. and some fly yeah. uh, free as, a, as an eagle. And um, in those in those histories, always they sell. They tell you like some people are chicken and some are eagles, and I don't believe that. I think we are all born eagles. Yeah. But the education is more like that. You think you are a chicken. Yeah. And that you you don't know that your wings serve to fly. Yeah. And this is like like a, a slogan. I I always I love that. Although your wings may be broken, they are still meant to make you fly. So if you can find a way to cure yourself, there are no limits anymore. Because I think if you, if you figure that out, what should stop you afterwards, right? Because this is something that, that impacts us so much and have so much influence. But if you reach, um, reach out, to your dreams, to the, I don't know how to, the calling you have in your, in your life mm. and just go for it. I think that there's no, no limit left. Mm. And um, 
with the book and with the speaker event, I was like proving this to myself. And then I said, okay, I'm um, a professional in procrastinating because of fear. Mm. And in that moment, I realized that sometimes my goals were too small because uh, a big, big goal and a small goal sometimes like bring up the same fear. Mm. But the benefit of the bigger goal is bigger. Yep. So sometimes it needs a, a really brave goal so that you can say, okay, it's it's the 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 price I pay is not that high, but the price I get out of this, yeah. this out of taking that risk and out of getting for it is huge. Um, and so I decided last year in April, I think, yeah, in April and May, just after this um, speaker event, I decided to have bigger goals. And I wanted to move to, to Mexico because I, I fell in love when, with the place when I first came here. I came here in 2017 to learn better Spanish, to um, be on the beach, <laughs> and to escape Germany because there had happened something. I will get back to that in a second also. And I was really not feeling well in Germany, but in Germany, I knew I could earn some money. So when people were searching volunteers for a dog shelter in Mexico, I said, okay, I'm gone. And this time I said, okay, you take yourself wherever you go. So when I want to start my new life in Mexico, I don't just want to go on a plane and um, like go out of the plane and think my life will be different. Mm. So um, I had heard of, of a person in Germany that is um, making awareness walks for um, people that have AIDS. And this was really impressive for me always. And he wrote a book and I was like a fan of his book. And then I said, okay, um, I can do something similar. I can walk and um, focus a lot on myself, obviously. But if I do it for myself, I can also share it on social media and look what it's, what it's getting me, right? And so I called it Awareness Walk Against Sexual Abuse. And it was amazing because I was walking like two months um, in total, almost 1,500 kilometers. And it was really tough sometimes. But the first month, like nobody was interested in my walk. I was on Facebook every day um, with the same five people that followed me. And it was a little bit, I was a little bit sad because even in, in Germany, in some groups of survivors, they didn't allow me to 
to publish it because it was for them it was was um, promotion for myself. But I said no. I, I promote life and love about life, and I I, I never sold anything on that that walk. Um, but well, I said okay then. Just let's go and and find out what it what it does or what it doesn't didn't us. And we were walking. Um, I was walking alone, and I had a person in a car that was coming with me. I was asleep in the car. He was cooking for me, and like every two hours, he would check if I was still alive, yeah. because um, it like the the most part of of where I walked is desert. Mm. So um, there was no mobile connection sometimes, so he just would would watch after me. And it was funny because I didn't know him and we were really close for over two months. And it was really difficult to find someone because I, I couldn't say, like, I pay you 500 bucks a, a week or stuff. No, I didn't have any money. And the, the car was paid by my, my own money. and so. I first thought I would find some some promoters for at least for clothing and stuff, but neither so. And the thing was that um, I was organizing all by myself, so it was also like a lot of work. And I I just decided to do it like six weeks before. Mm. And I just pu published it on Facebook without thinking about it because I said, well, if you first think about it, you will find so many problems and issues. You will not do it. Just publish it and you will find a way. And it was like this. Like one time we had to stay two weeks in the same place because we wouldn't have money. Um, but it was amazing because then in the second part, I like in Germany, nobody was interested I put a, um, a shield on my backpack that said awareness walk against sexual abuse in Spanish and then we I was have, having a break and in the break there was like um, a person that was putting me in a comment and the publication said Sherman girl walks from blah 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 to blah 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 against sexual abuse so they talk to me but mm. they they didn't tell me that they are um, admins of a huge Facebook group here in in that area and um, now everything changed like we had people that brought us breakfast everything and in one hour we had like 1500 likes mm. and I couldn't even read all comments because they were coming in so so fast and um, from one day to the other, it was the same situation with my blog. It was just so quick. We had like 10 days later, we had a publication that reached without payment. And it was not even made by me that reached almost um, 100,000 people. Hmm. And in the people I met, in every hug they gave me, in everything that they wanted to, to give me, as a present there was so much pain yeah but as well so much um hope mm. and this was 
it was just amazing because the the bad thing for me was they were seeing me like like a, a holy person almost like they were like and I was like no it's not about me and it's not about any other person it's about the the reason right yeah and um, it's just the cause and um, but yeah also also this was really nice because people started up again um, opening up and stuff and I think they were really glad there was someone who tried to do something and in one small village they had 200 people singing the Mexican um, national hymn for me Mm. and this was really emotional and we have no video from that because everybody was just stuck in the moment yeah and it was i have it in my heart but i would love to to see it sometimes because it was really nice and um then i realized that although we were missing like a a concrete program afterwards um that now we had the inten- uh, attention, right? And this was this was good because we had television, and so yeah, there is interest in the topic, and in resolving it. And um, my like long term goal is to have a foundation that first one big problem here in Mexico, and I think in many other countries is that people stay with their the person that is treating them bad because they don't know how to maintain themselves and today i think there are so many options online mm. because in germany i know people that that can't do a normal work because of entity and um this is really sad because now they feel like worthless again because they can't be part of the society and can't do their part of, of earning money for their family and stuff. Um, so this would this would be one goal to show those people at least to earn a little money first while they are getting better mentally, yeah. right? Um, because I think that earning that money also helps to 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 um, become better. Yeah. Because in the meal, meanwhile, you can do something for your family. I think it's also the pressure of of like um, of people like ah, you can't stay at home all all time, yeah, with depression and stuff. And um, I think this is this is in in Germany or in in the countries that are more developed. Um, I think it's it's an issue of of how the society sees you, but in in countries like Mexico, you just can't afford to stay at uh, at home most of the times. Yeah, depends of course who's your family and in which um, which level they they live. But the most of the times you just have to go on and have to earn your own money. But if you are in a marriage with someone who treats you bad, he would do everything 
so you can't maintain yourself or you you don't learn about it so we would have the challenge to bring this to the, to the person without like the family knowing it or stuff but this is this is like one one point i, I would love to to attack and then um what also is really tough for me is um the like i think the survivor many times is is like a little bit um is afraid of what the parents think or the family but the family also is totally overwhelmed and don't know how to treat that person so i usually don't talk to a person about that if it's a german person i always say go on on my webpage and read it because then that person has time for himself understand how to yeah first realize what's going on because they feel pressure to answer you if you talk to them yeah. and i i can i can now talk about it without any emotion because like i overcame it but they are stuck in there what should i say what should i do and they just can't know that because it's not that popular a topic that they would know and i think it's also really individual and i would i would like love to close that gap to maybe ask survivors who already talked to their families um what was really good how how people reacted what what liked you uh, what did you like because I had a boyfriend, we were not together for a long time, but when I was in my second therapy, when I came home, he would wait close to the door. He would wait if I would hug him or not. So he would, yeah, he would give me the 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 place or the, the space I need. Mm. And he would say, if you want to talk i'm here if you don't want to talk yeah, yeah. i don't take it bad because sometimes if you don't want to talk the people take it as you're not trusting me or stuff yeah. but sometimes you just have to be on your own and first realize what's going on because in one of those uh, lessons it can be really really intense so he was just he was showing me that he's there but he was not pressuring for nothing. I would kiss him if I wanted to. I would hug him if I wanted to. But if if I said, okay, I, I don't want nothing like body contact right now, it was fine as well. And um, for me, this was the best re reaction I saw. Yeah. And he also sometimes would, would ask questions you maybe would be afraid to ask. But it was really good because then we, we were really open with that topic. And um, I don't really know how to close that gap or how to provide that information. I, I thought maybe we can, um, in one moment, you can have like uh, ask the thousands of, of, of survivors and um, just um, put the answers in a, in a small PDF or a, a small film. So uh, all the family members could see it as a help that the reactions can be so different 
and helpful. But I think the, the most important thing is that you don't like touch the person if, if they can't talk at the moment or they, they, they don't want to hug all the time or stuff. And um, yeah, this is, this is what, I, what I have planned in the future. Like this, this was, would be amazing because obviously the, the best thing would be to avoid that this is happening. And you can, obviously you can think about preventing stuff, but this is the hardest, hardest part. And while we are working on that, yeah. I would love to take care of the other survivors and their, their family members. And I had a really um, interesting aspect that somebody uh, wrote me in like two or three weeks, weeks ago in, in WhatsApp. And he said, um, sometimes we are part of the problem by um, making that person um, that will later do something bad mm -hmm. because sometimes we are today we're really missing respect to to other people mm -hmm. and for example it's not i don't talk about that this is an excuse but if in school a person that is not beautiful in the way like we touch this um, and he maybe is a boy and he hears like over and over again of girls you think I could like you look at yourself look at the mirror yep. you can just say no thanks yep. because this could be when he has a mental issue True. this could be a situation that later causes problems because he would judge all, the, all, all women the same because maybe he would have experienced that with 30 years or more like several times um, so again it's obviously not an excuse to behave this way but these things are not supportive yep. for prevention so we just should treat every, every person with respect and um, he, he was really right with, with this word. And um, yeah, when I, when I escaped to Mexico from Germany, I was um, in Spain living with my grandparents in 2016. So I thought like, I overcame that. I want to live in Spain. And um, one day there was, like I was, I was sleeping and I was just living with my grandparents at that time and they had a huge house and I was sleeping upstairs and then I wake, woke up because I heard something and it was my grandfather. He was like standing at the side of the bed and he was trying to, to touch me. And um, he was already over 80 years old what was really like shocking because you you would know in that age they wouldn't even think about that um 
And at the end, nothing happened. He would insist, insist, insist. I would say no, no, no. And I was, in that case, I was not really afraid of him as a strong man because he was already 80 years old. So I was ready to defend myself if I would have had to. Mm. Um, but he was just doing it with words. And um, it was really actually because it was not, it didn't sound like the voice of my grandpa I love, but it was like um, Gollum of the, how's the, the movie called with the, with the rings, the fantasy movie? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. So um, it was really like, Mm. Ooh. And um, nothing happened, but it was for me, it was always my hero, my grandfather, because my grandmother was ill for 30 years and he would take care of her every day, every night. Wow. He learned to cook with over 50, he did everything, and she was always so pissy to him. Like, the food is too cold, the food is too warm, the food is too many salt, mm. the food has no salt. There were always something to complain. And I always was amazed by his patience. This was real love, because if not, he would say, do you know, yeah. just uh, cook your own food if you want, right? And... um I was really, this time I couldn't really be like afraid, uh, um, angry. It was more like really, I was really, really sad because my hero was gone. And um, I, I didn't want to talk to no one. And I knew when I would have asked something for someone for a ride to the airport, for example, we were living in a small village, the people would have asked. So my, my own grandfather, the next morning, brought me to the airport. He was crying. And first, I tried to avoid, like, to see him the longest I could, right? In the morning, I went downstairs to breakfast when he was... Um, doing when he was buying groceries and stuff like that. But well, at, at one moment he came up and he was, he was crying like a baby. He couldn't stand what, what had happened. And um, so he drove me home and the way to the airport, my, my grandfather always was driving really fast all his life, but I was not really sure if we would arrive alive mm. because I thought maybe he's so depressed or sad about the situation that he would just yeah and I was thinking about it but I think I, I didn't care that much in that moment so it was like when it happens it, it will happen and if not well he just drives to the airport and then we arrived and um, honestly I'm not really like I, I can't really hate him, but I'm I'm not able to like contact him that much. 
Mm. And I know he suffers a lot still. My um, uncle and my aunt always tell me, and they they were the first pe people I speak to spoke to uh, about that because um, they have two young ladies. Oh, they have. So I have two cousins, female cousins. So I said I would never forgive myself if, because I was not speaking, this would happen to them. Yeah. 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 Because they, they lived in another city as well. So when they came to visit, normally they slept in the same house or in the house by the other grandparents. But it, it was a big chance that they would stay with him in the same house. Yeah. So I talked to my uncle and my uncle and me, we never had like a really close connection because I was living in Germany. They were living in Spain. But in that situation, they were really, really supportive he and my aunt, and um, they would go to the doctor with my grandfather. And they would also help me to talk with my father, what was for me the, the hardest part of it. Mm. Because like, to say, hey, your father just did me that. Yeah, yeah. And I think my, my father would really like, he can get really emotional and um, I didn't know what he would do in that moment, right? Um, and it seems like that this happened because of um, Alzheimer. Mm. That they, this pushed up their, yeah. their sex drive and it, it pulls down their, their shame level mm. because it, I, I, I know that of, of, um, of people that work with, with elderly people that they would um, like clean them and then the, the man would say can you masturbate me or stuff like that mm. um, because they don't feel that shame anymore because yeah. of their illness so it was, it was part of this, um, but it was still really, really ugly because it was a person that was so important yeah. for me. And I was already 29 years old, so it, it had nothing to do with a pedophile or stuff. And he never, ever would have watched me in a disrespectful way before. He was just a normal grandpa. And... Um, then in 2014, I had a situation where someone would, like I was walking down the street and somebody would come from behind and he just touched me like here and on the hip down, like, like, yeah. um, like a hug mm. almost. And he would whisper something dirty in my ear. I can't remember the words, um, but, I would react, thanks God, uh, with the, right? With giving him, uh, how do you call that? A clap in the face. It was not really, not really a bad, um, but it, it left him surprised. Mm. And he was like, like, like a boy and said, 
why did you hit me? So he didn't realize neither that he was doing something wrong, I think, in that moment, but he just ran away. But, and although there was nothing happening either in that moment, it was really ugly for me because now I couldn't stand to hear um, voices of steps behind me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But normally when you when you walk through a city, there are thousands of steps yeah. around you and you just go your way. Um, sometimes I, I took like several buses to don't have to walk. So it was like like totally illogical to go by bus because it would take more time and more. But I would do that and in, in that time, I was really glad because I had two friends that would force me out. Hey, Marissa, let's go to have an ice cream. And I, I don't want it to leave. I don't want it to, to be out the hot. But when they were with me, it was fine. So first we would walk another different route. Then in one moment, they said, let's walk that way. We are with you. Then later they would walk with me the same way, but they would be 10 meters behind or stuff like that. So we always try to get closer to the, the normal reality again, but they gave me really that time and that support. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't let me to stay in the house. And this was so worthy because I wouldn't have left on my own, I think. Yeah. And then the fear gets in your head, just in your head, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is like, in, in Germany, you always say when you fall down a horse, you have to go back on it right away. And this was actually this. And after like half a year, six to eight months, I could walk down the street again without thinking about what was happening behind me. So this was really nice. but. This impacted me more directly as the violation itself, because it was just on the street. It was at eight in the evening. So it was not two at night. You were alone on the street. It was just 300 meters away from the main train station of that city. So it was not a lonely um, um, area neither. It was really, not what you would expect for that kind of situations. Um, and I was glad I could react because you can't, um, you don't know that before, right? You don't know if you would react that way or if you just would like, like ice, yeah. frozen, unable to, to move. They say if you, if you practice a lot of self-defense, it's more, um, the chances are bigger you will defend yourself, but you you just know it in that situation and it was really I was really glad to know that and um, He just didn't didn't um, Thought I would I think mm -hmm. and I think he was he was not smelling um, Like he had drunk, but I think he was drugged because he he was just thinking he was like hugging me right and I would like it. And um, all this made me realize that we have to to heal also to avoid 
that this will repeat itself. So I'm not giving me the, I'm not saying that I'm guilty that it happened again and again, but at first I felt always like a victim, yep. right? And this is what, what the, this is the energy, this is the vibe I, I'm, um, I'm spreading. And second, um, I had that in, I wanted to be a um, member of the police when I was younger. Mm. Thanks God I, I learned a, a few things. <laughs> um, and we had um, a man that was telling us a story, I think from the United States, where they, they took uh, prisoners out of prison on the top of a house. And they just let them um, pick people they would um, choose as victims. Mm -hmm. Because they wanted to know how they decide yeah. mm. who to rob or whatever. And um, the, the prisoners would say, okay, I would take that person or that person. And on the street down there, there would be an officer talk to the people. And almost i think it was 95 percent, but it was at least more than 90 percent of these people were already victims of something some kind of violence some kind um so i think it's really important for us to heal because if you're unsure you walk like that yeah and normally many people that are um that are treating people bad, don't feel big. They feel that small yep. and they need you to feel smaller mm. so they can feel a little bit bigger. So it's not a strong character that is doing harm to another because he don't need, has the need to. Yep. It's, a, it's, a, it's a person that have a self um, image of, of this big. Yep. And so if we, can walk on the street like that, mm. head up high. It's obvious, it's never a 100% safety, but it's totally different than when we're like. Yeah, so true. Right? And um, this is why I really think, and it's interesting because you already, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm really sad when I hear how much it happens to the mother and then it happens to the daughter or even the son. Because in, in childhood, it's, it's both. It's, it's many, many boys as well that suffer from that. So um, if you can heal yourself, you always also help the, the generations that follow him. Yeah. And um, this is... For me, like my mission in this world is to help to heal to as many people I can. I will work most time in in Spanish and German, um, but I I love to have the the chance to share my story and stuff also in in English, yeah. and this is why I'm so glad I can be here, um, and. I think even if we have all like different ways to do it, right? Like you choose that way. Yeah. Um, 
we should really start like doing like more together because I know so many groups and organizations that have the same goal, yeah. but like because they like green and they like blue, they don't work together. Yeah. And for me, it's always the bigger and the more united we are, the more we can reach, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, this is this is a, a mission that I I know many people that when they healed, they tried to or started to to help others as well, and even in their process. Like soon we will publish a book in Germany sharing the story of 11 survivors. And those women are brave, but they are still so unsure. It's like, hmm. So you don't even have to, to heal yourself 100% till you can help others because the other, if he like is just in the beginning and you made halfway already, you can just help. Um, because you know how to to make that path, right? So this is really something um, I love because at the moment I, I find many people or, or they find me that are on on the same mission, the mission of like making those people's better life, those people's life better. You are. And, uh, <laughs> you get me. And this is this is what what is like what I try to do at the moment. I I still um, have a job as a waitress, but here it's like we we work more in the winter because in the summer all the um, foreigners go home because it's too hot. Mm, yes. Um, and yeah, it would it would be amazing to be able to live with it, uh, live from that because then I can dedicate all my time for it, right? Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.